Welcome to Social Media Know-How, the podcast featuring the greatest minds and brands in the world of social and digital marketing. And now, your host, founder and CEO of Link Humans, Jorgen Sundberg. Hey Sun Sun, how's it going? Many thanks for tuning into Social Media Know-How, the Link Humans podcast. I'm your host, Jorgen Sundberg, and this podcast is all about improving your social and digital marketing game. I'm coming to you from Link Humans Global HQ Towers in North London. It's gone a little bit frosty, occasionally sunny, but definitely uh, cold. It's definitely turned into a January weather now, and we even had some snow on the weekend, although it did melt after three to four hours. So it's been another busy week here at uh, the office, and um, we were actually awarded something by a company called ZoomSphere. They've looked at the... um, the top UK digital agencies on Instagram. And it turns out, they looked at uh, both followers and, and engagement. turns out that Link Humans is the, uh, the winner. So we were the most engaged, well, I guess the, the most followed agency, digital agency on um, Instagram in the UK, which is a great accolade. Many thanks for that. And we put a lot of time and effort into our Instagram account. We, we see it as a way to project our culture here to um, anyone who's interested in knowing what it's um, what it's like on the inside of a, of a digital agency. So if you're on Instagram, um, do hit us up. We're Link Humans and uh, do leave a comment and say hello. And of course, check out our hashtag live at Link Humans. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason at all, ping me an email at uh, jorgen at linkhumans.com and you will also find me on several social networks so whatever works for you right so i'm very excited about today's show i'm going to be joined by richard or rich millington and we're going to talk about how to create uh, more engagement in communities so rich is an expert on communities and uh, the challenge is that a lot of communities out there are full of uh, i don't know tumbleweed or the wrong type of engagement for instance people promoting webinars and ebooks and you know the kind and uh, Rich Millington will um, let us know how to get your community back on track and to boost those uh, engagement levels to get it right engagement. But before we listen to that, I just want to share my little special tip of the week. 800 million active users. Now, which network might that be? Let's have a think. 400 million for LinkedIn. 350 million for Twitter, 1.2 billion, 1.3 billion maybe for Facebook, Google Plus, uh, zero. So what could it be? Well, turns out Messenger, so Facebook Messenger has 800 million active users every month. So that's actually more than most social networks. Well, actually more than all of them apart from Facebook, which is of course the mothership of, of Messenger. And uh, Facebook is really trying to... to um, create more of a standalone app of messenger and i don't know if you noticed but uh, you can now send and receive money through messenger you can do video calls you can send any emoji under the sun and also businesses and brands can be on messenger so think um, for instance if you want to order groceries you can do that through messenger you can get customer services through there even uber 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 has a um a uh, collaboration with Facebook where you can hail rides straight from inside Messenger. And uh, they're also, they're predicting for this year, that uh, 2016, that the phone number is going to disappear and uh, messaging. It's uh, 
well, it's going to be separated from uh, SMS and texting, which is how it all started. Um, I don't know about that because I still some, somehow I still pay more attention to text messages than I do messages from an app and even emails. But uh, let's see. And I, I found um, something from Global Web Index where they look at looked at the um, the usage of Messenger and the top actions on Messenger is actually sending messages to your friends. That's ninety percent of users do that followed by sending photos and sending stickers. So I'm not sure about this business angle just yet. Uh, In in fact, the least used feature on the list from Global Web Index was uh, messaging with brands and companies. So we'll we'll have to see how it goes. But that's my tip of the week to keep an eye on messenger.com. It's uh, one of those uh, growing uh, networks. Well, not really growing. It's a giant already. It's a it's um, a humble giant, one one, uh, in the rough that uh, you wouldn't really think of. Here's a tip for you. If you use Messenger a lot, but you don't want to get sucked into uh, looking at your feed on Facebook, then, um, well, obviously on, on, your, on, the, on the apps, on your phone or your iPad, you can use Messenger as a standalone app. On, the, on your computer, it's a bit more difficult, but there is um, actually a way around this. So if you go to messenger.com, you get the Messenger interface only, so you don't actually have to go to Facebook, uh, so you, you don't get caught looking at uh, dogs and skateboards and all those bits so i use that a lot myself and there's also a, a messenger app for mac and i would imagine there is there are there are similar ones for for pcs so that's my tip of the week keep an eye on messenger and um, use messenger.com not to get distracted okay now it's time for our feature interview of the week uh, all about creating engagement in communities Richard Millington, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Very good, thanks, very good. And today we're going to talk about how to increase community engagement. That sounds really interesting. Great, so <laughs> let's start with uh, maybe if you could just tell us about uh, your company Feverbee and uh, what you do there. Sure, so what Feverbee does is take a lot of complicated psychology out there, a lot of sociology, a lot of proven science about how to build online communities, how to increase engagement and distill that into simple lessons that we use for our clients, for our audience, for um, the people that attend our events and things like that. What we've been trying to do for the last maybe three three to five years, I think, is figure out what are the proven battle-tested ways to increase engagement. So what do people respond to at a deep psychological um, need? Um, And how do we um, introduce that within the engagement programs that uh, organizations are working with? And what my role is there is, besides running the business, is to try and figure out what's on the cutting edge of this. What's going to be working tomorrow? And what actually works? Because there's so much material out there today. Um, about what people think works, or maybe an anecdotal story from one sector, from, from say video gaming, and will that work for clients in the um, bank in the bank in the banking sector? So I've got to try and figure out what works and what doesn't, and how we do that in a scientific way, and how we do that in a way that's actually useful to the people that we're trying to help, which is the practitioners that are trying to get more engagement for their online communities or their collaboration efforts or their knowledge sharing efforts or getting their customers to support them and give them great ideas. So that's what we've been doing for a few years now. It's been interesting and it's a lot of fun to do. 
Yeah, you mentioned a few years. So you were actually a speaker at one of our events. Back yes, in, I was. Uh, 2011, I think. Yeah. And uh, I'm just curious, where do you get the name Fever Bee from? <laughs> um, I was, I think this came around like maybe 2008 or so. Originally, I had this whole Richard Branson idea where I was going to have lots of companies by this point in my life. And it's going to be Fever Frog, Fever Island, Fever chain fever link and fever b was just the first one of that and it turns out i'm not quite richard branson um so i've just stuck with the one name so far and it's interesting when you pick a name you need a domain name that's available that's available that's available and back then i just done an internship with um seth go seth godin who some people might might know and yeah. he always recommends like doing a domain that's like two separate words that are joined together because it's easy to remember and that was a big trend back around then so that's how we ended up with the name right okay now what are the challenges uh, that uh, communities are facing uh, in 2016 sure so we've been tracking this space for a long long time and i think what we've seen for the last maybe 10 years or so, is that for a lot of communities, the level of growth and the level of activity has gone up and up and up. And there are many reasons why that has happened. One of them is that there have been more people online than ever. The internet speeds are getting higher and higher. People are spending more time on the internet, which has been fantastic. But now we're seeing a couple of things beginning to occur. One is that this endless supply of new people to join communities is coming to an end. And unless you're willing to increase your audience to different languages or different sectors entirely, we're dealing with a plateau there. Two is that there's more competition for limited attention. There simply aren't enough people to participate in all these communities that we create today. And the failure rate especially by communities that are created by brands, by organizations, is getting so amazingly high that you can search for this. You can search for organizations that have announced they're launching an online community. You can use those exact words. And then you can do what we did, start um, clicking on every one of these results and seeing, does that community still exist? And what you will find overwhelmingly is that these communities either don't exist or the level of activity is pretty much nil. So that's a big challenge that we have to face. And I think the third one is the value of the work that we do. Whether you work in social media, online communities, and I think I'm preaching to the choir here, one of the biggest challenges, and it, we're not the only ones, people that work in PR and, um, and uh, other sectors as well have the same challenge, but how do we prove the value? And I think part of it is that online communities as an industry, I don't think it really exists. I think we need to figure out what industry are we really in? So are we in the collaboration industry? Is our job to help people collaborate much better with one another? Are we in the customer retention industry? Are we in the customer loyalty industry? What industry are we in? And how do we move up the value chain? How do we move up to higher levels within that? Because I think if we focus just on online communities, it's a very tiny, narrow approach to achieve our goal. What we need to look at is how it integrates with everything else that also achieves achieves that goal. So a lot of people, for example, know the story of the of the uh, of the of the postman or the iceman at the turn of the century. So people used to pay a lot of money for people to bring them ice. So around the turn of the last set of the last century, people would take the um, uh, saws and they would cut massive blocks of ice and then they transport it from house to house. 
But then what happened? Well, then the refrigerator came along and put all these people out of business because these people didn't realize that they weren't in the ice, the ice business. They were in the cooling business and there are other ways to do that. So I think we're in kind of that same situation now where I don't think we're in the online community business. I don't think we're in the social media business so much. I think we, are, we have to figure out what business each of us is really in and get really good at moving up the value chain within that, understanding the broader role within that and connecting it to those goals. So I think those are the three big things right, uh, that we have to deal with right now. Okay, so uh, some, some serious challenges then. And, uh, <laughs> what, of course. You talk about something about um, visible engagement and valuable engagement. What, what do they bo- both look like and what's the difference? Sure, so I think what happened maybe around five, may, maybe 10 years ago that I noticed it and maybe much longer before this is that we began to notice that people that did the um, engagement really, really well got a lot of clicks, they got um, posts, they got comments, and then later on they got likes, they got shares, they got re- they got retweets and things like that. And we looked at that and, and we thought, wow, that's what a successful engagement program looks like. So what happened is that we, we, we began thinking, how do we optimize to get more clicks, to get more likes, to get more shares and get as many comments as possible? And what happened is that we began getting or we began simplifying what we asked, pe- we asked pe- people to do. We began making our content, our updates, as entertaining as, we, as they possibly could be. And the problem with that is that whilst this gets a lot more visible engagement, we can, we can count the um, clicks, likes, shares, links, whatever, it doesn't get more valuable engagement. It doesn't get engagement that changes the level of behavior over the long term. It doesn't get the kind of engagement that's going to solicit a decent level of contribution from me. So a good metaphor here would be, imagine that you decide to get fit. Imagine you had this great new New Year's resolution and you decide to get fit. You decide to join the gym. And you join the gym and you notice that a lot of people there are sweating a lot. And then you think, wow, I have to figure out how I have to sweat as much as possible. And so then you, I don't know, you might sit in a, a sw- in, in a sweat lodge, you might wear more uh, layers and you might eat more spicy food. You might, oh, you might optimize everything you do to sweat as much as possible, but that doesn't get you any fitter. And I think we're doing a similar thing in engagement right now is that we're optimizing to get as many visible metrics as we possibly can. And what we're not doing is thinking, what is the valuable um, end result here? And the valuable end result should always be, how do I change the behavior of the people I'm trying to reach over a long period of time? So how do I change the behavior? How do I get people to do something differently for a long period of time? And if you think of most of the most engaging things, quotes, then what you'll notice that a lot of them didn't really achieve much. I mean, if you look at, say, um, the ice bucket uh, thing from um, a year ago. Okay, that didn't. They got a lot of a lot a lot of attention for a short amount of time, but it didn't change the behavior of people in a fundamental way. If you look at some of the biggest campaigns that have happened over the last five years, you notice they got a lot lot of attention for a short amount of time, and all, and all that has been the result of us chasing as much visible engagement as possible. 
So here's um, an, another really simple example. Imagine if I am working internally within an organization and it's my job to get people to share more information with each other. If I'm chasing just that visible engagement, more clicks, likes, comments, or whatever, I might change the articles to be as entertaining as possible. I might put them in, di in digestible chunks. I might try and, and uh, simplify them and uh, dumb them down as much as they possibly can. And if I do that really, really well, then more people will click it, like it, share it, whatever. But that doesn't change the behavior. That doesn't make them more likely to share more articles in the, in the future. And what we want to be doing instead is doing deep engagement work, which is the kind of engage the kind of in of engagement work where if you have a challenge of getting people to share more information, you, you begin by thinking, why aren't they sharing information right now? That means interviewing the people you're trying to reach. Understand, is it because they don't know who to share information with? They don't know what information to share. They don't know how to share information. Are there rivalries? And then begin stitching those relationships together, introducing them to the right people, building more of a sense of community among them. That's doing deep engagement work that is less sexy, but lasts much, much longer than just chasing the, vi the visible um, metrics. Because one of the challenges we have is that a lot of people in the social media space are just jumping around from one great engagement idea to the next, hoping that something is gonna have a long-term impact. And that's not how it works. What we need here is a method, a method that lasts over the long term. So every day when you go to work, you know exactly what the next step of that process is, because it's underlined by the psychology behind what drives engagement. So, value, so, value, so valuable engagement is about doing that long-term work. And if you don't mind me rambling on here just a bit longer, what we mean here is that the engagement that usually lasts for a long period of time, that changes the behavior of the people that you're trying to reach, is usually when you increase someone's skill, when you increase their autonomy, so they feel they can act more in line with their true beliefs and pursue their passions, and when they are feel more related and more of a sense of belonging with other people. So what we want to be doing is stop chasing these show business engagement ideas where you're trying to be as entertaining as possible or more entertaining than the next person. And instead of thinking, with the audience I have, what is the challenge that I need to solve? So why aren't they doing what I want them to do at the moment? And it's probably not because of a lack of entertainment. And instead think, how do I increase, increase their level of skill? How do I increase their level of autonomy? And how do I increase their sense of relatedness? Because this has been shown over and over again to achieve the exact results that we want. So this is what we've been trying to do recently, is get everyone to move away from these new, funny, silly ideas that come out every single day, and instead help people to do the real deep engagement work. The engagement work that leads to long-term results that connects to the actual results that we're trying to achieve in the first place, which is greater customer retention, loyalty, advocacy, knowledge sharing, more, do more donations, whatever you want it to be. I hope that makes sense. I think so, yeah. So the um, I guess these micro skills, are you saying that you would want to get everybody inside the community to, uh, to upskill and that would lead to more valuable engagement? No, no, no. So, um, so micro skills is something slight, slightly different. Yes, we do want people in a community, and it depends on the kind of community. If you're building a community around fitness, for example, then the 
competence and a level of skill makes sense. Most B2B communities, they're usually about increasing someone's level of skill. So if you look at the communities of, say, um, of, say um, Wistia, Moz, or um, maybe Unbounce as well, you join them and they are entirely focused upon increasing your level of skill. All the conversations that take place are about increasing your level of skill. That tends to be what B2B communities do. Yeah. But that's not the only one. If you look at, say, um, if you look at say um, uh, Mumsnet in, in the UK, that's all about re- about re- about relatedness and belonging. It's about finding a group of people just like you and being like, "This is for me. This is where I belong." And then you have content and discussions that are oriented around that. And then you have a lot of communities that are about pursuing a passion or a unique belief. And those are those aut- 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 autonomous communities. So what we try to do or what we're trying to help our clients do is that when someone joins a community, they get a message from whoever's running that community, maybe the audience, maybe um, a volunteer or whatever, asking them about what their goals are. What do they hope to achieve in that community? How do they feel they can contribute to that community? And then putting them on a path to achieving that. So that's going to be a path where they get to increase their level of skill, where they learn new things, they can begin contributing to the group, and they gradually feel their skill is increasing more and more and more. If you go to, say, um, uh, bodybuilding.com, they're very clever is that they their profiles now are first you benchmark yourself way when you begin, and then you benchmark yourself le- later on. And you can see the before and after pictures right there that show you how much you've you've improved and that's an incredibly great way of engaging people over the long term changing the behavior of the people that you're trying to reach over the long term and getting real valuable meaningful engagement stuff that's going to really help you what i'm talking about by micro skills is the gap between the people that are running these these communities and and knowing what they want to achieve so with the knowledge that we've just talked about here how do you actually put that into action? And one of the challenges we have is that people don't have the skills to do it. So micro skills is a term from counseling, I think, where it meant you can't um, be a psychologist or you can't counsel someone, you can't help someone if you don't have these core skills really, really well. And back then it meant skills such as um, looking people in the eye, building a sense of uh, empathy and rapport with them, asking questions the right the uh, right way, and having the right tone of voice. What we're talking about in this context is something slight, slightly similar, which is most people who are doing social media, most people who are doing any kind of online community work whatsoever, need to spend a little bit more time working on the core skills they need. So here's an example. Um, we're working with a client, I think, a year a, a year or so ago, and she was fantastic. She knew her stuff really, really well, and she sent a newsletter to the audience of people that she wanted to join the community, and it and it read something like the top ten ways this community can help you achieve your achieve your goals. But then, if you were if she was to look at the inbox, the like, and the emails that she personally ignored, it would be exactly the messages like that. So while she knew her stuff really, really well, she didn't. She wasn't able to take herself out of her current mindset and put herself into the mindset of the person that would be receiving the message, or even her own mindset. What kind of messages does she read? What kinds of emails does she read? So what we need to be working on 
is how we develop these micro skills that let, that let us achieve our goals. So by micro skills, I'm talking about things like, how do you write persuasively? So for example, most job, most job, job, job descriptions say that you must be a great, a great, a great communicator and have good written skills, but they don't say what that means. Does that mean being able to write without making a mistake? Or does it mean being able to write in a way that persuades people? And persuasion is a whole separate craft. And there are ways of doing that. There are ways of making things more visual. So if you look at what um, the top speechwriters in the world do, they will begin with the context of what they want to say, and then they will encode that message using certain cues, certain um, rhetoric, certain visual metaphors that are going to get them, to, for, or going to get the audience at least, to understand what they're trying to say, to, uh, to actually internalize that message. So it seems like being able to write in a persuasive way, encoding your messages in a way that they actually get read, and there's a lot of psychology behind that. It's about being able to interact with, with a stranger, someone you haven't met online, and turn them into a friend. And that sounds really easy, but it's really difficult when you get so many emails every single day and almost every person wants you to do something that helps them. Um, and it's going to be things like how do you um, display the right cues that you are a credible person to listen to? So micro skills is what gets you from the strategy that we've just been talking about, which is increasing your audience's sense of competence and their autonomy and the sense of belonging, to where to the end result, which is the collaboration. So how do you actually make that interaction? And that's going to involve having these skills at a very good level. Because we have seen so, so many organizations that have so many great community professionals as well who really know their stuff. But when it comes time to execute the plan, despite having an amazing platform that they spent millions on and despite having a great team behind them and a great pr product or service, they fall down because they simply can't engage the people as a human would. They can't empathize with the end person. So what we want to be doing, and one of the things we've been working on recently, is how do we get people to develop those micro skills? And the last thing I'll say about this is that that means going outside the field we're in right now. If you read as many blogs as uh, I do, if you read as many books as I do, you know that generally it's people talking about the same stuff over and over again. I think for this field to advance, for us to get much better, we need to go outside of that field. We need to bring in skills from um, uh, speech writing and psychology, uh, copywriting, and other fields that are like that and bring them into this profession. Because I think that's the way that we achieve results. I think that's the way that we will move forward. And I think that's the way that the organizations get as much value from us as they possibly can. Gotcha. So micro skills is all about uh, skills for uh, practitioners of community managers, basically. Exactly. It's exactly the skills that's going to get them to achieve their goals, to achieve the plans that they put together. So the, the tactical bits. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And if we go back to engagement, how how can you spot valuable engagement? What does it look like? So that's the big challenge, right? Um, and what we've seen over the years is that a lot of companies, you know, um, Dell, Nokia, Best Buy, um, and many, many, many more, had these wildly successful um, online engagement efforts. They have these social media command centers with a row of screens. They whole, had the whole 24 Jack Bauer fantasy thing that was going on. But their share price didn't change. 
they weren't selling more of the products and they weren't keeping the customers that that they had. So was that a successful thing or not? What valuable engagement looks like is whatever your end result is. So it's the hardest thing in the world. This is one of the reasons why we go for visible engagement instead of valuable engagement, because valuable engagement is much harder to see because it's mental. It takes place in the human mind. You, you have internalized new ideas. You've been persuaded. Your habits have changed. So we tend to measure the end result here. And it's a very com it's a very complicated thing to do it. And I can share a document in the show notes if that helps. But what we try to do is that if the end goal is to increase customer retention, then we, then, uh, then, uh, then, then we measure that. If the end goal is to get your customers buy more, you, you can measure that. If your end goal is to improve uh, collaboration, then there are ways of measuring that by uh, reduced reduce duplication of work, uh, productivity ratios. If the end goal is uh, knowledge sharing, then you can measure not just the quantity, but the quality of the knowledge that's shared. Did you achieve your goals more than what you used to? I mean, there are ways that you can measure this, and sometimes it's tempting to use correlation, and you can do a test. So, for example, um, let's say you have a group, a group of customers, and you divide them into two categories. One, uh, one, uh, one category you do your engagement efforts with, and the other you don't. Then you can track. Did, they, did, they, did whatever you want to achieve, do they buy more? Do they recommend you more? I mean, you can track these things by doing a withholding test. There are different ways you can do that, but it's about going to the end result and not chasing those vi those vi those visible engagements anymore because that just puts you in the show business sector and we don't want to be there. Gotcha. Right, and uh, what, um, what are some of the examples in, uh, well, community examples that uh, inspire you? Sure. So some of them I've mentioned already. Um, so uh, the uh, bodybuilding.com site is really good. It's kind of old fashioned, but it's great. Um, let me think. Uh, Wistia, Moz and Unbounce as well. Their communities are really good at not just focusing upon um, upon customer service, but actually providing a place where you can learn more about that that field. If you want to learn about about video marketing, Wistio is probably the best place to go. If you want to learn learn about search, then Moz might be the best place to go. Um, if you want to learn about um, the inbound marketing, then inbound.org is probably the place to go at the moment. They have created a community based around increasing the competence of people that live there. Um, the uh, Fitbit community is really good as well and my friend runs that she's done an incredible job of having not just a customer service space but also a community that's going to help people live very healthy lives so i recommend you check that out um mom's net has always been fantastic um i also like what my colleague Sarah hawk has been doing with our own online community so if you go to experts.feverbee.com um you can check out what we're doing here so if you join you get a message from us asking you your kind of goals and things like that and then you get put on the right path to success or at least increase engagement that's going to help you as a result of that um I'm trying to think who else is doing this, but I think those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. But at the moment, there are so many amazing people. A lot Then there's a lot of people in the association space as well. If you look at companies like um, Hyalogix, Socius, um, ASAE, which is the Association for Associations, you can find these people that have spent years and years and years refining how they engage people in a meaningful way that keeps them actively participating, that achieves the big results that they set out to achieve. And then there's a lot of communities in the um, 
in the ad in the advocacy space that are doing great things as well uh greenpeace um with their green wire community is a uh, really really good um legacy for health um or what i think is now the truth initiative in the usa is good um there's there's a lot of organizations out there that do incredible work yeah for sure and i can i can vouch for um well fitbits i use on a, on a daily basis and uh, i think yeah just the app and the, the community the gamification in the in the app player is, is awesome but I, i'm also i have i have been a member of moz and inside their community uh, and also check in on check into inbound.org every now and then but i don't I, I did it for a while and they were sending me lots of emails and so on, kept pulling me back into the communities. But then uh, now I basically stopped. What, what What's happened, Rich? Um, well, you know what it is. With any type of uh, with a on, online community, you can't keep every single member. And one of the biggest challenges that people have, especially if you're running a community, is to do it in a data-driven way. So I know with um, Moz, um, and I, I don't know the other two so much, but Moz, if they're sending you more messages than you would like, you can tell them and they, they, and they, 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 they will respond. But ultimately, they will make a decision based upon what the data says. Mm. Not what one person says, not what 10 people say. They will think, is sending out this many messages getting us as much engagement as we possibly can? And is that the right kind of engagement? And, and I know that team, Mo far too well um and 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 i think there's always going to be a situation where you can't please everyone where sending out too many messages is going to drive someone like you away and and that that's a shame but at the same time it might be bringing a lot of other people back into it it might be keeping them more engaged and there's always a trade-off in every single thing you do so I, i know for example in our own community we send people a message when they join and some and some people are like, "Whoa, why are you asking me <laughs> what what do I want to 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 achieve here? This is really sparse around me. I'm going to quit." And that happens. We're like, "All right, yeah. well, maybe this person wasn't the right commun the right person to join this community, or maybe this just doesn't work. I mean, we can't keep every single person. So, I mean, I definitely don't speak for mods, but I imagine that's what they're doing. On the other hand, perhaps they're not, and they're sending out too many messages, and you and you, you should get in touch with them and find out why. Um, and the inbound.org community, I don't know them as well, but what I see on their website is that they're getting very good at being a place you go to to figure out how to do marketing at that sort of level. And I like that kind of design of a website, the uh, upvoting Reddit-style uh, yes, site. I think that's taken over a lot of platforms at the moment, and it's a very interesting kind of platform to watch. Okay, great. And uh, if we look into the Fever B crystal ball, what's the uh, what's the next big thing that's going to happen in this space? <laughs> I would predict, and I hate doing this because I'm always wrong. I would predict that there will be a new big platform that comes along, and everyone says that you should join it. There will be, I don't know, a new Pinterest or Google Plus or whatever. But here's the interesting thing about all these platforms: what happens is that, and this is what I remember doing communities. 10, 15 year, years ago, is that back then you had just one platform. It was a forum or whatever, and that was it. That was all you had. So you spent all your time on this one platform, making it as good as it can possibly be, and you usually did a really great job. But then came Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Google+, Pinterest, uh, Foursquare, and all of a sudden, all these people came along and said, you need to be on all these platforms. And what happened is that we began driving our audience 
to every one of these, we began separating them, we began dividing them. And at the same time, we increased the amount of work we had to do significantly while dispersing the engagement across all these channels. So I'm going to predict in the short term, there'll be a big new thing and I'll get all the attention, but won't really change much overall. What I do think will happen, and I don't know how quickly it will happen, is that online communities as a profession begins to, de begins to, to die, die out. I think what happened is that it will be assumed within broader roles. What we've noticed, and we've been tracking this on um, LinkedIn for a long time, how many people list themselves as a community manager, an online community manager. And last year, for the first year ever, that number went down. There are less community managers today than there were a year ago. I don't know about social media so much. I, I assume that's still going in the right direction for now. But I think what's going to happen is that this is going to change. I think, and also what's really interesting is what these people move into. They're still doing online community work, but they're doing it either as part of a broader thing or in a related role. They're doing it in a slightly different space. And that's really, really interesting. So what I think is going to happen is that we need to evolve with them. We need to start acquiring a broader set of skills. We need to start understanding the psychology behind why these online communities works, uh, work, and then we need to begin implementing it. And we need to get very confident and very good at understanding how to convince our own organizations. So here's, here's an example. Um, if you read any article about how to gain internal buy-in, how to persuade your boss, or anything along those lines, the article will be entirely focused upon facts. It'll be entirely focused about this is the information that you should give your boss. These are the these are the metrics that matter most. But if you talk to any psychologist at all, they they will tell you that facts are the worst way to persuade anybody of anything, and that emotions matter far more than uh, than facts. So it's things like that we need to start getting good at and start mastering that. And how do we deploy that when we're trying to talk to a boss? What are their emotional appeals? What are they worried about at a deep level? So I think that's going to be a challenge that we're going to have to overcome as we move up in these roles. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, final question, where can we learn more about yourself and uh, your work? And tell us about your uh, upcoming conference as well, please. Yeah, it's the chance where I get to do my plug, right? Yes. <laughs> Um, so feedbeat.com is where we try to share what we learn about building online communities and increasing engagement. And we try to get make every post there as tactical as it can possibly be. But there are two big things that I think we're trying to do at the moment that are going to move, move this profession along. One of them is that we have a big event every year in London, which we would love people to come to is FIVB Sprint 2016. So if you go to sprint, S-P-R-I-N-T, .com, what we're doing there is hosting an event where we've got a lot of the really great digital engagement experts, people that are global directors of internal engagement, um, people that have been working in online engagement for a long time, and most importantly, people that have skills that we don't. What we've been doing for years and going to lots of events and seeing this kind of the same speaker is always speaking. What we're trying to do this time is find people who have unique skills outside of that sector and bring them into our work. So when we go into our work the next day and we see our boss the next day, we can highlight the new skills that we can immediately apply. So the event takes place on February 23rd to the 24th. Um, 
and we can do a discount code for this audience as well um, and maybe we can include it in the show notes but we would love to have you there we really do need you there we need you there to make it work we need you our device about what you need to learn um, and I really think it's going to be a useful event and we keep the price really low I think it's around 200 pounds something around, around that so I really hope you bake that that's sprint.phoebe.com and if I'm allowed to do one more plug we are just putting together a course that is what we hope to be the most advanced engagement course we've seen. Something that doesn't even focus on visible engagement and explains how to do valuable engagement. We spent 18 months working on it. We've, talked, we've spoken to around 50 great engagement experts. We've got a lot of case studies materials. So you can find that at feverbee.com slash AEM. That's feverbee.com AEM. Thank you for letting me do so many plugs. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Rich Millington, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so, so much. It's been a great, um, it's just been great to do this. Thanks. Right, so I hope that interview was useful for you and that uh, you're now going to go away and be really engaged in your communities or rather get your community members to be engaged. Now, Sprint, which is the... Um, event that uh, Rich was talking about. It's a really good event by all accounts. I haven't been myself, but I do know from other people that go to a lot of events, they uh, they have mentioned that uh, it is a really good uh, event to go to, really good day. And uh, we're sending down a few members from the Link Humans team. So um, get yourself down there and um, say hello to them. Right. Uh, do you subscribe to us on iTunes? If not, please do. It's probably the easiest way to, um, to, to to listen to this podcast. And also, if you do, could you please spare a moment and leave a review? It means a lot to me. I put a lot of time and effort into this podcast. And if you enjoy it, please leave a, uh, a review. And uh, that's it. Many thanks for tuning in. And uh, I will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Social Media Know-How with your host, Jorgen Sundberg of Link Humans. For show notes and more, go to linkhumans.com slash podcast and check out the hashtag SMKnowHow. The one thing I would love everyone to learn about communities is to start small. The temptation is always to see the big online communities around you and try and be like them but that's not how they began if you want to succeed start small focus on your first 10 members and then your first 50 then your first 100 focus on giving a lot of attention to a small number of people to begin with and that's how it will take off and how it will grow thank you very much